Okay, so this is season one, episode, I think uh, six or seven right now of Money Talks, the podcast with Becoming Financially Fit. Uh, we have an interesting guest today, um, a former colleague of mine um, in the YouTube space, Instagram space that also talks about personal finance, financial literacy, investing, real estate, and all that type of stuff. So um, I'm here joined today with uh, Eddie Colson. So Eddie, thank you for being on the show, man. Of course, man. Of course. How's it going? It's going uh, going great so far. So um, I did want to uh, do a couple of things before we get into the content. Um, uh, becoming financially fit, we, we usually talk about personal finance, financial literacy, savings, investing, and we also throw some uh, entrepreneurship in here as well. So um, we should have a lot of interesting topics to talk about. Um, I do want to give you a chance to talk about your background a little bit um, before we get into everything. Sure. Um, so I've been invested in real estate for close to 10 years now, um, right out of high school. Um, and then eventually I started buying businesses as well as uh, apartment complexes. And, um, and now I'm just looking to purchase more more uh, commercial buildings and uh, uh, businesses and just work with other investors alongside of me. Okay. And um, so you're a real estate investor, um, business owner, and also a business investor. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when did you really start to get into real estate? So real estate, um, I, I, I just, actually, I got kicked out of my house um, as a kid because um, I was just having some issues as you know, as a youth yeah. with my stepfather, things like that. So I got kicked out, um, and my boxer trainer at the time um, brought me into um, a house that he that he owned and um, stayed there. And as I was there, I read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Love that book. Loved that book. Definitely. And it really inspired me and opened up my eyes to just a lot of things. I was listening to the radio one day, and um, they said that Rich Dad Poor Dad was coming to Baltimore. And, um, and I was just like, I'm going to be there. Yeah. So I went to the event. Um, I, uh, at the time I was, I wanted to be a pharmacist. That was the goal. That was the dream. So I, I was working at giant pharmacy mm-hmm. and, um, I was making like 7,500 a year <laughs> on my 70. taxes. Yeah, 7,500 <laughs> a year. And the way it worked was seniority, seniority. Yeah. So because I was the newest guy there, I did, I was, I couldn't get the most hours. So that's why it was like 75 a year. Um, and then eventually, seventy seven thousand five hundred dollars a year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, I didn't have uh, you know much money of anything, but you know I was very hungry. I ambitious. Read a lot of books, and I went to the seminar. And when I went to the seminar, they they sold us on a three hundred dollar uh, three day three day course mm-hmm. where we come for the weekend and learn everything about real right, estate. Right in Baltimore. In Baltimore, exactly. So my girlfriend at the time loaned me the money for three hundred. I didn't even have three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she loaned me the money to uh, to go to this seminar. I went to the seminar. They sped past just they breezed past a lot of the things. So yeah, I didn't really get high level. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. So you know I didn't really get to learn everything about um, each niche mm-hmm. because it was just like, hey, here's thing called wholesale and here's a thing called rehabbing we got landlords other strategies that you can learn on how to buy properties and things like that and that's as you get questions it was like oh we got to move on to the next thing yeah so at the end it was like okay you need a mentor you need to work with someone so we say either work with us or you can work with someone else um we charge twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars so at the time twenty thousand dollars so that's how they get you in. They get you in with the 300. It's not that much, right? Everybody can come up with 300 yeah, somehow, some way, exactly. just like you did. But then they spring on the $20,000 for the mentorship program. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So so the 20000 it was like, hey, man, if you need to borrow money from family members, max out your credit cards, do do whatever you got to do. 
and people were doing it. I bet. Yeah, people were doing it. And, and you know, of course, I couldn't do that. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm going to take their advice. I'm going to get a mentor, but I'm going to do it the opposite way. I'm going to go and find one, you know, through mm-hmm. just uh, the grace of God in, yeah. in the universe. So um, I ended. that's basically what ended up happening. I found a, a, a RIA. They have a RIA in every mm-hmm. city, a Baltimore RIA. Yep, they had one in Columbus as well when I first joined. Um, and that's a real estate association where you kind of go, you meet once a week, once a month, depending on your location, right? And you just talk real estate. They usually have one guest or maybe two guests a week, right? And they talk about all the different deals. People talk about either mortgage brokers will come in and talk or or different real estate investors. And they kind of just talk about the area. So it's good to be involved with that if you're really trying to get serious about real estate. Exactly. And they have they have tons of different meetup groups, not just RIA. They're probably a more um, established brand that's all over the U.S., um, so Rhea is definitely like one of the top notches, but there's other meetups out there. Yep. So um, I went to a meetup. They told me to just go to a local meetup and look for a mentor. And that's exactly what I did. I, I ran into a guy that went to my high school um, and he kind of used to come to our school all the time and give us speeches about like black pride and stuff <laughs> like that um, at, at uh, cultural arts, the, the cultural group that I was a part of. Yeah. And um, so I saw him, I was like, hey man, like, you know, great to see you in this space. I'm looking to get started in wholesaling because, you know, I learned that that's, you can um, invest in wholesaling with no money, no down, you know, and that's where I'm at right now. So mm-hmm. that's my only option. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, I have, uh, you know, there's three people that he pointed me out to and I picked one. Um, I interned at his office for about six months and I helped him, you know, do some Were you making things. money as an intern at no, that time? No, all free. So I I, um, I literally was working for him for free, all free. Um, I felt a little used, honestly, for a little bit, but it was a really great learning experience. I would say that I learned more in that than I have in, in other mentorships that I actually paid for. Yeah. So. And sometimes it is that sacrifice, right? Exactly. Just putting in the work, taking the time, right? Because even though those six months were unpaid, and at the time, it may have seemed like, you know, not making money, you know, they're, they're using me. I bet that six months prepared you for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that a lot of investors, new investors have issues with is talking on the phone. They're just scared of being on the phone. Yep. And um, I had my mentor as well as his business partner. I stayed at his office all day and I just saw them watch, make calls and they forced me to make calls, mm-hmm. you know, things. So it was it was definitely a, a, a learning curve that really helped me a lot. And it was free um, and I didn't get paid anything for it. But yeah. it was it was a, a huge experience, huge experience. OK, um, so we'll get into the uh, the wholesaling topic um, here in a little bit. But I did want to ask you, um, what's your primary method of generating income right now? And, and so pretty much what do you do for a living? Okay, so um, I make most of my money off of the investments, like real, um, just uh, rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a few single family rental properties, but- In the uh, Baltimore area? In the Baltimore area, yep. yeah. Um, but I'm also a partners with other businesses, like um, um, I just purchased a, a share in this business called Ambitious Few, mm-hmm. ambitiousview.co. And that's where I got this, this mug for. I was giving it to you. Yeah. You can have it now. Thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you. Ambitious Co. Okay. Yeah. Ambitiousfew.co. Ambitiousfew.co. Okay. Yeah, All right. So thank th- you. They have like, um, we have like different inspirational merchandise like that, um, shirts, things like that. And it's just, it's just a really, really cool site. So I was inspired by it, bought it. And, and now I, you know, have, uh, I have equity in that. So whenever we make a sale, I get money from that, um, as well as rental properties, um, so I work a lot with other syndicators. I help them raise money for their deals um, as well as mine. And then, you know, as we close on the deal, then I just get a cut of that. 
Okay. Um, and so when did you first start making your money work for you instead of working for money? Because you said something interesting. You said you had bought in and now you have equity. Yeah. Right. And so now that's putting money up front mm-hmm. and on the back end you're making money. It's yeah. not a promise of making money, right? It's not a, like a guaranteed stream, but once you do put up that money and you have equity, anything that they make, you get a portion of it. Yeah. So I mean, that's a great question. Um, when I first started in real estate, I was all about me, me doing everything, mom and pop, making my own calls, doing things. And I think that the biggest thing that helped me get from point A to point B was embracing the idea of teamwork yeah. um, and going after bigger deals. Um, so I think that oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we think about the expenses and not about the profit sometimes. Um, and as an investor, you have to think about the return on investment, not just the investment, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, paying somebody, an employee to do certain things gives you more time and freedom to um, to do better things and really work does. on your business, yeah. right? Because then you can focus on different things, right? Exactly. Because time is key. Exactly, exactly. And then it works just as well with other investors. So if I know I have 20K, you have 20K, someone else has 20K, you know, that's 60,000 right there. Yeah. And now you can use that to now go after an apartment complex as opposed to just a smaller a unit. Family. Right, exactly. exactly. So yeah. so it gives you the opportunity to, to work on bigger deals. And when you're doing smaller deals, let's say you have like a 10 unit, usually a property manager is not on site, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really ran like a business business. But then if you have like a 50 unit, 200 unit, there's usually a leasing office mm-hmm. that's not... A th- it's usually a third-party leasing office, um, but but it's on site. Yeah. So it's really ran more like a business. So now that money is more cash, it's more passive than it is if you had your own apartment complexes and you're dealing with the tenants yourself and mm-hmm. things like that. And you feel like, hey, I got a hundred percent of this entire thing, but your time, your time. And I, you said something interesting because a lot of people think that real estate is passive income, mm-hmm. and it's not until you get to a certain point. Exactly. You're, you were talking about it. If you have a single-family home you're probably gonna be doing 99.9% of the work. So if you're thinking of passive income with one single family home, it's not the case. Exactly. If you start to get into multifamilies, like you said, even though you do have multiple multiple people in one unit and you may have a property manager, you're still gonna have to answer the calls. Exactly. No matter what. Exactly. And it's not until you get into the space where you do have a, let's say a 20 unit, 25 or 50 unit, where you can have a leasing office, you know, on the complex, they can go there, they can handle leases, get people in, out, handle all the maintenance and things like that. And that's when it's really passive. But in the meantime, it's partially passive, right? Mm-hmm. So I will say it's residual. I, I like to say Definitely. residual. Yeah. So you have, you know, money that's coming in and you know it's coming in, but you still have responsibilities to to get that residual. So it's literally just like a job. Yeah. Like, you know, you have a certain amount of to do's in your job mm-hmm. in order to get your two week paycheck. And and that's pretty much the same thing with residual um, income versus passive. It doesn't matter. I'm getting my money regardless. It doesn't matter uh, what happens. I could be sleeping. Mm-hmm. I could decide to not do anything at all. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And I think active and passive is important to do both. Yes. Um, I think sometimes people romanticize passive, mm-hmm. but it is important to work on your passive as you're working on your active. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes working on your active, like having a day job, right, or having like a main hustle that you do can fund that side hustle. Exactly. Which can bring you in some passive income in the long run. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely, man. Yeah. So um, you mentioned wholesaling. Um, and so. I know about wholesaling, yeah. um, but the viewers or the listeners out there might not know the specifics around wholesaling, even though it's a super popular topic in the real estate yeah. space. So can you explain what wholesaling means and how you got into the wholesaling space and maybe your first deal as well? 
Yeah, so wholesaling was um, my first thing that I did, you know, 100%. Um, and that's, uh, so wholesaling is basically when you find a property that's undervalued, um, and let's say it needs some work of some sort. So uh, we have a term called ARV, average retail value. And that basically is just the HGTV, all fixed up retail, um, which you actually want to buy at when you newly wed mm -hmm. um, into a property, not fi not a fixer upper, right? Yep. So that's the retail. So let's say that in the area you have ARV, just to make it simple, the ARV is 100,000. So houses in the area retail is being sold for 100,000. So I know you, a landlord, is buying properties in that area. Let's say 70 percent of that ARV minus the repairs. Mm -hmm. So if it's 70 percent, you got 70 percent. And let's say the house needs 20K in repairs. So that so now I know that you will buy it for 50,000, right? Yep. So I go and find a property. I say, Mr. Seller, I'm, I'm buying properties in your area. Um, how much do you need for the property? They say, you know, I need 45 or 40 or something like that. Uh, I can do 35. I can do maybe, you know, mm -hmm. I can do 35. Uh, how about we settle on 40? So now we have 40, right? And I know that you'll buy it at 50. So I take you to the property. In the contract, it says that I have the right to assign my rights to an end buyer. And that's the key, is being able Assignable to assign. Contract. Yeah. So all in all 50 states, except for Illinois, Illinois, you're not allowed to wholesale anymore. But in all 50 states, you can assign your rights. And it is not just a purchase and sale of contract. Mm -hmm. it's, it's any contract. Yep. You can assign your rights. So if I know that you're buying it for 50, I'll come and show you the property. And then when you put a property on a contract through um, purchase and sale, uh, you usually have 30 days to close. It's not like we put it on a contract, I give you the money, yeah. and it's that same day. It's usually you wait 30 days for financing, inspection, mm -hmm. things like appraisal. So you have time to market the property, basically. So in the contract, you say, hey, this is... I'm gonna have my partners, my contractors, inspectors come and look at the property. So in that meantime, you're having your contractors to see how much the work it needs to be done. So that's why I know it's 20K. And then yep. I'm also having my buyers come looking at it and telling them to bring their contractors. And we settle at 50. Mm -hmm. And now because I had it on a contract for 40, I make that spread of 10K. At closing. Um, at closing. So I never purchased the property. I never, you never owned put it. any money up front. Exactly. It's all time and sweat equity. Exactly. So it's 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 a hustle. It's a hustle. It's it's a lot like um, being a realtor, even though you're not a realtor. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need any type of license. You don't license. need you don't need a license. Um, however, what I love about wholesaling is taught me to find direct seller leads. And when you find direct seller leads, you're able Explain to- Explain what a direct seller lead is. So when you, usually yeah. when you buy a property, you buy it from a realtor or a broker mm -hmm. um, through a, you know, that, that has a license. And you know, they, they go out and you go to um, open houses or they, they do go on different tours to different houses. And then you have to make your offer to the realtor and the realtor presents the offer to the seller, yep. right? Um, and usually because of that middleman, it's a little bit of a friction. Um, the realtor usually has self-interest because they get paid based on the commission of how much the sale is. So they want the highest They want price. the highest. Yes. Investors, we make our money on the purchase. Mm -hmm. We, we want to be able to get- You want to pay the lowest. Pay the lowest because <laughs> we, when we sell it, we, that's how we make our profit. So we make, um, make our money on profit. Realtors make their money on commission. So a lot of times um, we're just diff we, we don't have the same um, motive. We don't have the same interest. So that, that can be an issue sometimes. And then just really as a salesperson, just not even not even just in real estate, but salesperson, you want to talk to the decision maker usually. Final decision maker. Exactly. And if you can talk to the decision maker, 
you're able to really find out what they really want. Mm -hmm. Ask the questions that maybe a realtor wouldn't ask. Yep. Maybe a realtor isn't as savvy as those things. And I'm not downing realtors. There's great realtors out there. However, the majority of realtors usually are part-timers. They have a full-time job and then they're a realtor on the side. And a lot of times um, they don't really have all of the knowledge and skills to really close deals like that. Within but, that 30 day period, like it, you were talking right, about. Right, exactly. So if you can find sellers direct, you're able to negotiate better terms based on what you want, not just what the realtors commission, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Not to, you know, realtors can bring great deals, but it, it, it's just it's just a wedge that sometimes can make it a little, a little bit harder to close. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason why I really, really like talking direct to sellers is because I really like creative financing. So you have things like Definitely. owner financing, subject to lease options. And, and I teach a lot of these, these strategies as well as wholesaling on, uh, I have another business where we consult, teach people investing, um, theboondi.com. Okay. Theboondi.com. So I, yeah, for all the viewers, listeners out there, theboondi.com, um, he actually will go into depth and detail about this since it's, you know, high level. He, I don't want him to give away right. too yeah, yeah, yeah. much information. I, yeah. I came up with theboondi.com because it, it means wisdom in Swahili, Okay, you know, and it was just one of those, I really like the name and I have a, a huge plan with, with that with that whole platform. Um, but for right now, the things that's on it mostly is real estate investing and we talk about wholesale and we talk about owner finance and subject to's lease option and those three that I mentioned um, um, uh, outside of wholesaling or the creative way. So you're able to buy properties through a payment over time structure as opposed to having to go qualify for the bank. So Exactly. And when you're doing that, you don't have to have perfect credit. Exactly. You don't have to have all the money up front. Exactly. Right? You can kind of uh, make your own contract, right? You can say exactly how much you want to pay. It doesn't have to be um, a certain rate or a mortgage or things like that, right? You can set up pretty much an agreement with whoever the seller is. You can say, hey, I'm willing to pay you 50 or let's say $500 over the course of, let's say a year or three years. And then at the end of that three years, I'll pay you the rest of the balance. Exactly. You can do things like that with creative financing that you don't have to go to a bank or a mortgage broker for, correct? Exactly, exactly. And what you described is paying them uh, like a balloon payment at the end, yep. you know, um, now in Baltimore, in certain areas where prices, maybe a house is worth 30,000, 40,000, 100,000, you can make, you don't have to do a balloon payment and they'll be okay with that. And, and they won't outlive that note, you know? Yeah, so exactly. sometimes people, they're, they don't, they're, they don't want to do it because oh, I won't live that long. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can say 5,000 up front or something. Right, like exactly. Yeah. So if it's like a, a house that is um, where the purchase price would be way more than what, you know, their life expectancy, then what you can do is just do like what you said is a balloon payment and pay them at the end, which gives you time to, to come up with the money, to come repair up with your money. credit, do exactly. everything you need to do to get that financing yeah, ready to go. Get, get some credit or even, partners. Or even fix it up and be, um, prepare to sell it. And prepare to sell, exactly. But regardless, you have to pay, ba pay back that, that balloon payment. Yep. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, most of my properties, the first ones that I purchased were all creatively financed. Um, a lot of times, no money down, no down payment, you know, things like that. And you don't get those type of uh, deals usually with a realtor. Yeah. You know, they hear owner finance and the first thing they're wondering is how am I going to get paid? Exactly. So wholesaling really teaches you how to find those deals and you can wholesale some, but I teach to, to get the equity, buy properties, because that's really where the wealth is. Um, and wholesaling gets you cash to buy more properties. But at the end of the day, the plan should be to buy properties. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to so, build those assets. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so 
now I do want to talk about something um, for our generation. We're both 28 sure. years old, right? So talk a little bit about investment real estate because this seems to be like a super hot topic for millennials, right? When mm -hmm. they're thinking about, oh, um, you know, I'm getting out of college, I'm starting my career, I want to purchase a home. Would you recommend that they purchase a single family home and it's something that may be like a two or three bedroom, right? And they just live in it and then they use that as a starter home? Or do you uh, recommend that they purchase something like a four unit or a three unit, maybe even a duplex when they're first starting out as a starter home rather than something that they may not be able to afford and they know they're going to upgrade? Everyone's situation is different. Yeah, That's really important to understand. So for me to say four unit um, or single family, really, you know, it's a lot of variables in play, like the market, um, what their goals are, yeah. what their intentions are. So, you know, if it was me, I will go after the four unit. However, I will say that single family is easier to sell. You they know? are very easier I, to sell. Yeah, I have too. So, and I know exactly what you're talking about, selling, marketing, it just it makes the whole process easier, right? Because they don't have to deal with other tenants, other contracts, other leases, right? Exactly, exactly. So it really depends. It really depends. So you have four units. Cash flow is always better with a four unit. Correct. However, depending on the market, like like Baltimore, people in Baltimore don't really like to be in an apartment unless it's a really like nice luxury apartment or a 50 unit apartment or 20 unit apartment because they don't want to feel like they can hear their neighbors, things like that. So when you're dealing with the smaller four units, five units, the turnover rate, and when I say turnover, I mean how quickly people are coming in and out of the property yep. because you want long lasting tenants that stay for a long time. Um, some of my mentors who've had like 30 properties, things like that, a lot of their single family units, their tenants have been there for like 30 years, yeah. 20 years. Apartment yeah. comp, like and four those units. those are the best investments. Yes. When you have people that pay on time, even if it's a little bit below market value, but they're paying on time every month and they live there for three years. Exactly. Years, right. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I love multifamily and I and I and I do think that they're better than single family for me. Yeah. Um, however, the single family does have its advantages and I don't want to just total, you know, just, you know, just cast them away because they do have their advantages. Um, however, I do personally believe that it takes a team like if you if because not everybody really everybody should be an investor but everybody shouldn't be the investor if if that if that makes sense yeah. so if you're a good at digital marketing and you love that and that's your job and you and you love doing it. if you're a lawyer and that and that's what you love to do making cold calls to talk to sellers and trying to find deals may not be your best you know, um, but working with somebody, and not just me, but there's other people out there. You got mm -hmm. Jay Morrison, you got Grant Cardone. Yep. You know, you have other people in your local market that maybe you want to meet more so and say, look, go out there, find deals for me, and I'll be a part of your fund. I'll be a part of the business that buys that property. There's so many different ways that you can structure the deal when it's multiple people, mm -hmm. but it works. It's more advantageous in your favor to, to, to work as a team. Yeah. You know, and, and and I want you to, to talk about a little bit more about having a team, right? Because you were saying that you can be an investor in a fund, let's say a group of five people, all of your friends, right? Mm -hmm. And you just have a job. You have a nine to five, but you do want to start venturing out into some of those investments, right? You can do that, right? And you can have a realtor on the side who's in your group as well, or you can have another investor who's in your group. Talk about building that core team of people that you can trust to go out and, and do these deals. Yeah, so um, a really, really good book. I mean, just about any Gary Keller book is, is good. Okay. Um, I love Gary Keller, the, 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 the owner of Keller Williams. Um, but a really good book to read is um, Million Do Millionaire, Million, 
millionaire real estate investor, millionaire real estate investor by Gary Keller. Okay. Um, and he talks a lot about the different teams that you can add. So I would say get a couple of wholesalers. Wholesalers are great. Um, and the thing about real estate, one thing I really love about real estate is that your competition becomes your partners a lot of the times. And that doesn't happen in any sector. Like if I have a salon or a barbershop or whatever, the, the barbershop across the street is te technically in competition with me. Exactly. Right? We're not going to go hang out at a meetup and, and talk about <laughs> how we bring more customers. Yeah. yeah. But real estate, you can do that. So that's the beautiful things behind that. So when you're building your team, you can have a wholesalers, you can have realtors, um, other investors, um, and uh, a title company. Mm -hmm. um, lawyers. It, it could be a lawyer yeah. because usually lawyers and title companies work hand in hand, yep. you know, because it's usually a lawyer that's attached to a title company. But, you know, you can have a lawyer that actually closes your deals as opposed to just a title company. Mm -hmm. And it can work better in your favor if you can you save know, a little bit yeah, of money. Exactly. Yeah. So having relationships is the biggest part. It's the biggest part. Um, and cultivating those relationships. But a wholesaler, off-market deals that understands investing, not just, you know, um, a realtor that has access to MLS, mm -hmm. you know, has access to a lot of these different um, avenues. MLS is where they list your properties and having access to that is just huge. And when you have access to MLS, it's easier to to um, figure out how much that property is worth. Exactly, right? because then you can do the, the radius. Is it like a half a mile, sometimes a mile? So every market is different. <laughs> um, some people get caught up in that because they do the half a mile thing. And if you're in an area that's block by block, like Baltimore, that can mess you up. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, but that's that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. But um, yeah, it, essentially, yes. You go on you go on the MLS and you find properties that's in the area to find out. Uh, what other areas, like I was talking about before, what the ARV is mm -hmm. to see how much the um, how much houses are selling for in the area, and then that way you can figure out how much you can sell it for, how much you should be buying it for, things like that. How much equity you have? Yes. Um, you want to explain what the equity is, bro, just in case people don't know. Yeah, yeah. And so equity means, let's say the price of a home is a hundred thousand dollars, right? And most people will get a loan for that um, that home, right? So that means you have a mortgage of a hundred thousand dollars. 99% of the time, a bank's not going to give you 100% of the value of that home. So you would have to put down some type of down payment. And the down payment means you put up money up front that pretty much purchases that home. So let's say you put down $10,000, 10% of the value of the home. That means you have a 10% equity ownership stake in that particular asset. Mm -hmm. And so most banks, um, it depends on the type of loan, but you can get a um, FHA, which is, I think, 3.5%. You can do conventional, which is 5%. You have some loans that are 10%. Or you can do investor loans, which are sometimes 20 to 25%. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. And so there are pros and cons to all of those different types of loans. Um, but if you put down, I think, at least 20 to 25%, you don't have to pay PMI, which is mortgage, insur <clears throat> mortgage insurance. And you never want to pay mortgage insurance because you're pretty much just paying um, the insurance for the bank. Mm -hmm. And that's if you default on that mortgage, right? So I would say you should always try to put down as much as you can, as much as you can afford, right, in your budget to actually get that equity. Because if you have that equity and you start to build it over time through paying down the mortgage or through the down payment that you put down, then you can start to pull out some of that equity exactly. if you need to in the future. Exactly. And, you know, that usually happens when you have, you know, best credit. So work on your credit. Exactly. You know, you can, you can invest <laughs> with no credit and no money, but... Credit and money gives you more leverage to buy more deals. Exactly. So, so don't romanticize that. Exactly. So, and, and I would say the best combination uh, of a real estate investor is a person who uses creative financing 
along with off-market deals and some type of, you know, um, cash fund that they have to go out and find these properties. Because you're, if you're offering cash upfront, you have some type of creative financing and you're doing the deals off-market before they hit the MLS, that's when you're going to find the best deals. Exactly, exactly. Exactly, man. I mean, to really, what I like to do, what I like to say as far as equity is, it's really how much your house is worth minus how much is old. And then that equals the equity, you know? Yes. That's like the simplest way to, to for, for people to really understand. And, um, but whatever that equity is, you can get that money back from the bank borrowed, mm-hmm. you know? But you have to have good credit. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, so now getting back into it, um, I saw something on your IG about um, the argument of time versus money. Um, And something that I got from that was you can always get your money back, but you can never get your time back. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I I think that this is not just investing, but it's philosophy in itself. Um, I think that oftentimes people make plans like they have forever to live. Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue that we have as a society um, in the world is that we, we think in terms of, oh, one day I'll do this, one day I'll do that. And 20 years ago, you said that, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I know people who've been reaching out to me, coming to me and say, hey, I wanna get started in real estate, I wanna invest, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. And uh, 10 years later, they, they still saying the same thing. Exactly. Literally the exact, hey man, I've been watching you for a while and you've been watching me for 10 years, man. Like, um, so, I don't think people realize how quick that that goes. Um, there's this this comedian, Dion Cole, and it's funny, but it's true. I love comedy that really makes you think because Dion Cole talks a lot about, well, in, in the show, he talked about how you have a certain amount of summers left, right? The average, the average life expectancy for men is 78. Mm-hmm. I'm 28, yeah. right? You're 28. Yep. People say we're young, right? Oh, you have forever, you're young. You have 50 years left. Yeah. That's 50 years, that's not that much. And 10 years went by like that, to me, kind of. Like, yeah, from high school to now, like exactly. that's 10 years. And and I feel like, you know, it wasn't. It didn't feel like that long ago we were in high school. Exactly. So we have five more of those experiences left. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, I think that's the biggest, biggest thing that you gotta remember that t- you don't get time back. You can make money back. Yeah, always. You can get your energy back. Energy is another fin- finite resource um, that I don't think people to pay attention to, but you can restore it. You can get it back, right? Um, you can get repair back credit. Mm-hmm. Credit is another thing you can really repair. It can always comes back, but you'll never get time back. And I think that a lot of times people are afraid of losing money. They're afraid of, of wasting energy, and then they're afraid of messing up their credit. Yeah. People, people die... People work so hard to get an 800 credit score and then die with an 800 credit score, not doing anything with it. And money in the bank (laughs) that they can't use, right? So um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is just to realize, you know, the Greek philosophy talked about this thing called the Stoics. The Stoics believe, just remember that you die, you Mm -hmm. know, carpe diem, you know. There's all these different philosophies that just remind you that, hey, one day you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an uncomfortable conversation, so we don't talk about it. But it's the reality. And that's why people like me who buy businesses can buy businesses. People say, well, how are you able to buy businesses? a business that is generating income? Why don't they just sell it? Why don't they just give it to their kids? Because they never plan for it. People mm-hmm. don't talk about death. They never talk about their succession plan. The extra strategy. Exactly. Yep. And um, yeah, people just plan. They, 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 make, they do things like they just have forever to live. 
you ever notice whenever someone dies, oh man, we don't we don't talk anymore. It's been so long. We're like it doesn't. Why does it take a, a death in the family for us to all get together? Mm-hmm. Because people don't think that one day someone's gonna die, you won't see them tomorrow. Yeah. So maybe say some of the things that you wanted to say. Maybe you know apologize for certain things. You know make the certain memories you want to make. You know I know it's a little bit off of investing, but. I think that's why we invest. That is why we invest. Right? Yeah. So if it's for time, spend your time wisely. Mm-hmm. And don't just give it away so so easily. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, I'm passionate about time, bro. I like that. <laughs> I like that. You should be, right? Because, you know, there's only so much time, right? Yeah. Um, anything could happen. And like you were saying, um, but on the topic of time um, and family, let's talk about generational wealth. Love it. So if you were to design a, a plan for someone um, to create wealth... And I'm not talking about just personal wealth. I'm talking about generational wealth. Yes. What would that plan look like? So, number one, we have to remember that on average, um, generational wealth is lost in three years, in three generations, right? Yes, by the third. By the third, yeah. So we have to understand that. Um, there's a really good book called um, Family Fortune. It's by, oh, they're from Maryland too, Bill Burner and Bill Burner Jr., I believe. Okay. Um, B-O-N-N-E-R. And they talk a lot about making a hundred year plan. Mm-hmm. Um, they also talk about self-directed um, IRA. Yeah, I talk about that a lot. You can go to Equity Trust and Equity Trust has a ton of information. They're one of my partners and they, um, they, they, they help you get your uh, IRA started, 401k. Let me just expound on that for yeah, a second. Definitely. So 401k, IRA, you guys know, I'm sure everyone knows what 401k is. If you don't, it's a retirement account. Mm-hmm. A lot of times your employer hooks you up with it. Um, so a, a self-directed IRA, let, let me back up. 401k, you usually have somebody like maybe yourself that mm-hmm. that um, makes, that makes the uh, decisions for what stocks to purchase and things like that. Yep. Um, and so you basically, you don't really have any control, right? And um, self-directed means you actually have the control. You control your own investments. So exactly. you can go out and, and, and buy your own stocks. And it doesn't have to be just stocks. It doesn't have to be just stocks. It can be real estate. Mm-hmm. It could also be businesses. Yep. You can also lend money. Um, you can, I think you can invest in public, in public um, don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, I feel like you might not be able to invest in public companies. I would definitely say if you're looking for something about self-directed IRAs, this is a, a huge topic that everyone should know about. Yes. Definitely do your research. But you can um, usually, like you were saying with the 401k, you have a listing of 20 different funds that you can put your money in. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have some say, but it's not really like they're giving you a set list and you pick from that list. Right. Some are good, some are bad. You really don't have a choice. And they all charge fees. Right. Versus a self-directed IRA. You can invest in single stocks. Um, bonds, CDs, companies, real estate, right? And you can use all that to fund your eventual retirement or to pass that on. And the beautiful thing about it is it's tax-free. Yeah. It's tax-free, so you don't get taxed. And, and self-directed Roth IRA, Roth IRA is yep. my favorite. You know, consult your financial advisor. <laughs> However, um, these, these things, because these are all in that realm of financial advisory, um, but Roth IRA... Self-directed Roth IRA, I don't even think it's going to be like legal like 20 years from now. Like because it's just so much money that the government is just losing out on. Yeah, because you're putting in after-tax funds and it's everything is tax deferred. Exactly. All the gains. Exactly. So, um 
that's that's what I think you should do individually is have uh, make sure that you you set up your your um, retirement plan and I would say do it in a self-directed IRA and I would say invest um, not just with a, with a you know like uh, in mutual funds EFTs and things like that with your with your like financial advisor and whatnot but also reach out to fund fund um, fund managers like myself like Grant Cardone like Jay Morrison like all these other people yep. reach out to them invest in multiple funds exactly right? spread out your money diversify exactly and the thing that like why I like dealing with those things is because they use you're usually in alignment with your investors mm-hmm. whereas you have to, whereas um, if you just have like a 401k and somebody's just picking those investments for you they're doing transaction fees, maintenance fees, um, asset under management fees. Yeah. So, so when the economy is bad and your and your thing is not performing well, you don't see the fees when you're making money. Nope. But when you're losing money, you're like, whoa, I'm paying this guy every. However, when you're investing with like my company, when I get paid, you get paid. When when I get rent, you get rent. Mm-hmm. So our our interests are aligned. So, I think that the biggest thing is to diversify, like you said. And to have, make sure that you have some control over your retirement. So having a self-directed IRA is huge. So that's number one, right? Yep. Um, number two, I would say have a trust. Now, definitely. This is something that takes family cooperation. It does. And it's not always easy with that, right? Sometimes it, you might have to. It may just have to be you and your, you know, your significant other and your kids, mm-hmm. right? But you have a trust. You make a hundred-year plan, literally a business plan for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to do that, <laughs> and then find whatever you want to to invest in. Whether it's startups, whether it's existing businesses, whether it's a, a, a specific business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Family Fortune talks a lot about finding businesses that people don't think are sexy. It's a little dirty, like porta potties. You know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Or ATMs, yeah. or like a dry cleaner. Exactly. So something that's kind of under the radar, that's really up and coming. And then your family starts in that and then they start with a family trust and the trust works a lot like, you know, a little fun fact, a self-directed IRA 401k is literally a trust. Those are all trusts. So it works the same and trust a lot of times, um, a lot of times businesses use it really just to protect themselves from being sued Mm -hmm. um, and not having all their assets um, in an LLC because, you know, the more protection you have, because usually the beneficiary Bro, this is getting too deep. The beneficiary <laughs> is the person who gets the money from the trust. The right? trust fund. Yeah. Essentially, I know people have heard the term trust fund, but what we're talking about is the root of it, the actual trust where the funds come from. Exactly. Yep. So the beneficiary is the one that actually gets the money, gets mm-hmm. the benefits, the beneficiary, right? Hence the word. Um, the way we do it in my company uh, was that the LLC, you know, and my mentors taught me that LL- I have an LLC and the LLC is the beneficiary. So that's literally two barriers of from you personally. Yeah, exactly. So so if someone, God forbid, decides to sue me, they have to get through the trust and they have to get through the LLC. Mm-hmm. Right. Not just not just the trust, yeah. not just the LLC. Um, and then you have usually there might be four different um, what do you call these people uh, trustees four different trustees and they're technically the ones in control, so you have to you have to pick the, the right trustees and that's why it works really good in a family dynamic because hopefully you can trust your family a set of brothers or yeah. like your spouse or something like that. Yeah. So the best the best story that came from this whole idea that was talked about in Family Fortune it was talked about in the founding father talking about Kennedys and things like that was the Rothschild. So the Rothschild. Um, I forget the name of the founding father of the Rothschild, but he had five sons. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they didn't talk about the the, the, um, the daughters because, you know, back then it was just like male dominated. 
and they he spread out all five of his sons around to, the world around the world to become bankers financiers Bank, exactly yep. and around this time there was like a depression and all these different things and only one of them actually was successful and four why, of them were hurt. And, and why is that um what i can't remember because he was loaning out funds right he was loaning out his funds instead of spending it investing in failing businesses. Yes, 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 yes. Because lending, you know, you're getting that interest and it's right. Exactly. Yep. So um, what they did is that they had monthly or, or weekly meetings mm -hmm. on a regular basis. So the person who did successful, he shared the story with the rest of the group. And now that group is now working together. And now Rothschilds is like one of the richest families in the world, exactly. right? And it all started with that. Uh, um, you know, it talked a lot. He talked a lot about not just the the, the business side of it, because we're just talking about the business side. But there's a lot of other stuff like like family um, uh, unity, like having a flag, mm -hmm. you know, or, um, or crest, yes. or like values. Exactly. Yeah. Certain values, um, a mission statement, things like that, things to where it really helps the family, investing in a family therapist, mm -hmm. right? You know, so there's all different types of uh, things that you can do that's really just like company management. Yeah. Like these are the things that, that CEOs use to, to make- bring, To bring everyone together, right? Exactly. Because sometimes, even though people think of it as a family, it's a unit. Exactly. It should be a team. You can run it like a team or a company, right? And it should be run like that, right? You should have a certain set of values that you live by. You should be able to invest in certain things that'll help you guys grow and learn in the future, right? Um, but you talked about something and you said the group, the weekly meeting, the monthly meeting. And I think about that as a sort of mastermind group. Exactly. Right? And I have one of those personally, right? Where I have a weekly meeting where I just meet with a couple of buddies that I have and we talk about everything. Mm. We talk about personal finance, financial literacy, savings, investing, entrepreneurship, new deals, personal life, right? Um, if someone has a question about anything, they can ask the question in an open form. And I think those things are helping everyone become everyone, better because definitely. if you share your story, nine times out of 10, someone in that group has probably either gone through the same thing or going through it. So you can have, you know, you can put out your knowledge there or they can give you some knowledge as well. And that's a good way to progress and learn personally. It's powerful, man. Masterminds are powerful. They talk about it in the Bible. Um, they talk about it in Think and Grow Rich. I mean, this, yep. it's, it's a beautiful thing because when you have multiple people from different experiences, different backgrounds, different strengths come together and now you're like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> so, Using someone else's experience. Exactly. To progress you. So you don't have to go through 10 years learning a certain you know thing so so i think the biggest thing that has always been the aha moment for me you know and and i think that the biggest thing that will help everybody is to realize that you you can't do it by yourself it's a team effort teamwork all of the things that we're talking about literally is teamwork yep. um your favorite comedian your favorite basketball player your favorite artists all have teams that help them put these things together. You have a team. And you may not ever see them, but they have a team behind exactly. them. Exactly. Getting them to where they are. Exactly, exactly. So, and, you know, um, a lot of times, too, I would say that all these, like, like I may be the leader, you may be the leader, but let's not get it twisted. This yeah. is just a position. Exactly. It's about the team as mm -hmm. a whole. And I think that we have to, we have to keep, you know, remember that. You know, CEOs get fired all the time, yep. especially once they get to a certain, um, you know, a certain status. And we have to for remember anything. for anything. Exactly. So you got to understand your position. Everybody needs to understand the position, play, play accordingly mm -hmm. and and give your all and work as a team. Because when you work as a team, you go farther. You just go farther. What's the African proverb? 
Um, if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. If you want to go farther, you go together. I love how quick you are with that, bro. Definitely, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it in a nutshell, man. Teamwork. Teamwork okay. makes the dream work. Definitely. And so um, since you are a business owner and you have a fund, I want you to explain that to the people a little bit um, for people that might be interested in, in doing some things that you're talking about. Yeah. So go to ColsonEnterprises.net. ColsonEnterprises.net. And you can just set up a call. You can do either a call, um, set up a, a consultation call with either me or one of my um, one of my employees. And then we just walk you through exactly how to set up the self-directed IRA, um, how to set up your LLC, things like that, and how we can work together. And we'll start showing you some of the deals that we're working on. Okay. And so now we know you're an investor, mm -hmm. heavy investor, right? Now, do you save or budget? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So um, I would say that... Um, I save with a purpose, right? I always tell people, don't just save, right? It's kind of like, like kind of like uh, credit. People have good credit, they don't use it, right? Mm -hmm. People have a savings, you know, it's not earning no interest or anything like that. They're not lending it. So always save with a purpose, save to invest, save to lend, save to invest. Um, but saving in itself, you're actually losing money yes, with, in, with inflation. So, um, um, I know uh, Robert Kiyosaki, which I'm a huge fan of, said savers are losers. And I think that a lot of people didn't really understand what he meant by that. Mm -hmm. And um, so just understand that you have to save with a purpose. But yes, I save, save every day. Okay. And when you're going through that process of saving, like what are things that you're saving for? Investments, man. Investing um, other properties that I'm working on. Um, so a lot of times, you know, being liquid uh, is, uh, is something that you have to think about. So when you have that certain amount of cash flow coming in, it's really easy to spend it all, honestly. Mm -hmm. It really is easy to spend it all. And um, we have to really realize that just because you have 20K doesn't mean that you're rich, 60K, you're broke, right? Yeah. But if Even you, if you have a million, in some cases, like depending on the circle that you're around or the things that you want to do, yes. that can be considered a small amount of money. It's, yes, definitely. Because there's only so much you can do with it. Um, and like time, like we said with time, if that's your how much you think you're going to use in a lifetime, think again, right? Yeah. Um, so you really want to plan for investments because you want to be ready when an investment comes. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to be ready on all fronts. When I first started, I didn't have, um, I didn't, I wasn't liquid, um, didn't have credit. Um, so I, I, I want to finance and I wholesaled and there was a lot of deals that I kind of missed out on mm -hmm. that I couldn't do because I didn't have the money. I didn't have the investors. I didn't have the credit. And even if you try to do everything else, there's only so much you can do when you're doing creative financing um, uh, or you just don't have that credit. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, one of my favorite mantras when it comes with saving, um, which I read in uh, Richest Man in Babylon, yep. is a part of everything I earn is mine to keep. Exactly. So every time you earn money, literally put a part of it away for yourself. And mm -hmm. if you're not paying yourself first, then, you know, what are you really working for? I love that book. And um, when I was reading it, and I think this is a great quote, like you said, pay yourself first. That should be number one, no matter what, if you make money, pay yourself first. And this has to be intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Put it into a savings account or an investment account or put it somewhere where you know that, okay, this is the first thing I'm going to do with my money, right? And people can do that by automating their savings or things like that. The second thing he said was use a portion of it also to pay off debt. And that should be a dedicated portion to pay off things like credit cards, student loans, anything you have outstanding, that should be it. But it shouldn't be over that. If you can't afford more than that, you shouldn't have the debt. You should talk to the debtors and, you know, try to come to an agreement. Yeah. But he said a lot of people get into the process of, OK, I just got my check. I'm going to use it all for debt. 
sometimes that's not the best option. Sometimes you should only take, let's say, 20% or 25% to use that towards your debt and save the other amount because then you can actually build up some type of funds to actually, you know, combat that. Exactly. Um, I had, uh, when I started working on my credit, I had, a, I literally had like a credit mentor, yeah. Rhonda, um, they call her the credit queen, mm-hmm. reach out to her, uh, Rhonda Brunson. Her, we have an event coming up soon. So I'm uh, where's the event? Out. It's in Baltimore, um, in the Owens Mills. If you go on my Instagram, you can see, you can see it. Um, but what she told me was that communicate with your creditors, mm-hmm. communicate with your creditors. That's, that's the biggest thing. Um, like when you say that you owe money, it's your word that you're talking about. Yeah. And your credit is a reflection of your word. Um, the richest man in Babylon talks about this. Mm-hmm. This is your word. So if you say that you're going to pay or you, or you're going to pay back somebody, you have to, if you can't, or you don't have everything at that very moment, it is okay. You're not a bad person. What makes you a bad person is not communicating yes. and not talking to them and not saying, hey, like, this is what I can do. Can we work out some type of plan? Yeah, I can't pay you 500, <laughs> but I can pay you 100 for five weeks straight. Exactly. And I mean, they may get mad. They may be like, no, I want all my money. That's fine. I'll pay you when I have it. <laughs> but, you know, here's what I can do. Right. Yeah. So um, it's important to to understand that this is your word and you have to you have to uh, pay people back, especially when you're doing things like investing mm-hmm. and things like that. You, your, your word is literally your bond. And in real estate, you know, we don't like I said, a house is a house is a house. A property is a property is a property. You never have a product that's better than someone else. And if you do, it's a short period of time when you have it, right? Exactly. Um, so everybody has the same thing that you have. The only difference is really your reputation. Mm-hmm. So you really have to protect that and make sure that you know your, bond, your your word is your bond. I think the biggest thing in business that people tend to always do is that they overpromise and then they underdeliver. And you have to underpromise and overdeliver and when time you do and that, time again and that's that's what helps your reputation is when you underpromise uh maybe uh and then when it comes time go above and beyond you're like whoa I wasn't expecting that because I didn't set your expectation this high exactly I set your expectations here but I went above it and when you can continually beat those expectations that you originally set people are going to look to you exactly. right anytime they think about a real estate deal or they're thinking about a self-directed IRA they're going to think about the person that told me they were going to do one thing and did twice as much exactly. every single time that exactly. I've reached out to them right exactly um I do want to talk about one thing um <clears throat> how do you go about setting your goals for yourself so when I started buying businesses my mentor who taught me that um really showed me how to look at profit and loss statements I mean I was one of those, um, as an investor, take it or believe it or not, I was an investor buying properties, and a lot of investors don't know how to read P&Ls mm-hmm. um, that buy properties. Actual P&Ls. Yeah, actual P&Ls. You have to know how to look at an income, minus the times the expenses, see what your cash, you know, things like that. So I really um, learned how to do that, um, look at balance sheets and things like that. And that's how you're able to, to buy not just uh, commercial properties, but businesses, especially businesses. So... Um, that is not just for purchasing, it's also for projecting mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And when you're projecting, you're literally making your goals. Um, so when you say, hey, this week, I think I can sell this amount of sales. I think the team can do this amount of calls. So now when we have our meetings and, we're talk- and I'm talking to my cold callers, I have a direct single goal that I want them to do for that week and it's associated with that quarter and things like that. And it's all based on the P&Ls and it's kind of realistic goals because it's based on the past, right? Yeah. So I really look at the weekly P&Ls. I break it down by week 
And then each week um, I look at the P&Ls and I say, okay, this is the amount of calls because usually a sale is based on a conversion rate through marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Or how many calls do you make to make to get a certain amount of yeses? How many yeses does it make to put a certain amount on the contract? How many on the contract actually close, yeah. right? And so that you, can be like, let's say you make 100 calls, you get 100 people or 10 people to say yes out of that 100. Out of that 10, then you get three things under contract and one might close. Exactly. And that could be what you do in a week. Exactly. So you have to figure out how many calls am I supposed to make per week to get to that formula. Yep. And then and and then that's how you, you know, and but you based it on those on the past and your PL. So now you literally have a formula. Okay, now if I hire someone else, they can do this amount of work. Oh, I can hire someone. This can do something. So, so you know exactly what to expect. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I mean, as as much as possible. I mean, yeah. these are all numbers, but it's it's Usually, it's uh, it's it's the formula. It's literally like a math equation. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Okay. And what are some of your personal goals for 2020? And then also talk about your five-year plan a little bit. Um. So I want to help my family. Um. My my family become. I didn't have we. So we're working on we're working on some uh, some investments through the family. I almost feel like I shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I really feel like we should not, you know, I got my cousin there. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's actually, you know, some, some uh, secret. It's a secret. Um, but personally we have, um, as far as we're working on buying, um, so we're working on a facility maintenance company. Okay. Some of our goals, see, some of our goals are kind of like secret, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why we, we have our, um, our investors sign NDAs. Yep. So one of our one of our goals for private equity is to have a facility maintenance company. So we're buying self uh, we're buying um, uh, security companies, um, landscaping companies, things like that. And then we're we're going to have a facility maintenance company um, and eventually sell it, mm -hmm. sell it on the public market. Another one is um, we're working on uh, syndicating apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we have a couple of self storages that we look. So we invest in three different asset classes in real estate: self storages, mobile home parks, and apartment complexes. So yeah, we're looking um, to buy more of those and to do and to do business acquisitions. Okay, and what about your five year plan? Five year plan. It's uh, it's it's the same. It's the same, man. I mean, and it's uh, it's it's like. <laughs> it's kind of private. Right, so we won't have to get into that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to give you a chance um, before we get out of here to to get off some of your social medias or some of the, the things that you have going as well. Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram um, at Colson090. Colson090 was the same as my aim a while, while back, <laughs> back when we have uh, Instant Messenger. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at Eddie Colson. Pretty easy, Eddie Colson. Uh, you can reach out to my fund, my real estate fund at colsonenterprises.net. Yep. Um, I have some really, really cool inspirational merchandise. I gave my man one of the cups, one of the mugs. Uh, so it is at ambitiousfew.co, ambitiousfew.co for the ambitious, for your inspiration, right? Um, and we also have the Boondi, the Boondi where you can come and learn a lot about real estate investing and how to get started with no money down. And I really started that company because I knew that there was a lot of people out there that just didn't have any money like me. I mean, I, you know, make it 7,500 a year. And, um, you know, when it comes with starting with no money and, you know, just even investing in marketing. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about just 
how to really find deals, literally absolutely no money. Because when they have a lot of a lot of these courses sometimes, they say, you know, you need no money, but then they say, but you gotta spend five thousand you know, a thousand dollars a month on mailers and 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 this type of marketing, that type of marketing. And I didn't have that, you mm-hmm. know, so I really had to create, you know, be creative and figure it all out. So I um I made that for those people that really just have no money and um and really looking to uh get started with with that little bit that they have so okay um people all right perfect (laughs) so um eddie colson colleague of mine youtuber instagrammer thank you for being on money talks the podcast i appreciate it man